Hey, this is Andy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase it all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. This week's education episode is a CEU episode, and we will be talking about everyone's favorite modality, cupping. Yeah, so make sure you pay attention at the end or scroll down to the show notes to figure out how to get your CEU for this episode. Yes. Thank you, Mass General Brigham, which was formerly known as Precision AT. What are we talking about today, Randy? Yes, so we are going to be talking about cupping, aka myofascial decompression, if you want to be fancy. Uh, We'll discuss the physiological effects of myofascial decompression. Uh, We'll talk about some of the evidence for using myofascial decompression to treat different musculoskeletal pathologies. And then we'll even talk about some recommended treatment parameters for cupping because that's not 100% like looked at in the literature. So get some stuff out there. I'm really excited for this episode because I feel like a lot of people just learn cupping from like clinicians or preceptors or someone. Um, And it's not talked about a lot of, okay, what is... What are the actual parameters? What should we, How long should we actually put it on for? Yeah. And I mean, when you think about it, it's fairly, I don't want to say new, because in Eastern medicine, this is this has been used for centuries. But within like mainstream media and like Western medicine literature, like I think this first got really big when uh, uh, Michael Mike Phelps. And I think it was the 2012 Olympics. Right. So not like just over 10 years ago was when like cupping just exploded on the scene. So still pretty new within the research world. It's kind of funny the influence some uh, celebrities have. Well, it just goes back to the Olympics. You know, first it was uh, KT tape. Oh, right. You know, in the 08 Olympics. And now cupping hit the 2012 Olympics. What's coming in 2024? <laughs> BFR. It could, you know, it could be. The only thing is you don't like see it. Right. Like in right. a play of competition. Social media. Social media. That's so right. what does myofascial decompression actually do? So before we see what it does, we have to say what it is first. So myofascial decompression is the use of a cup, and this could either be glass, plastic, or silicone, to create what's like a negative pressure. Essentially, this is the suction part. This is what's drawing up all your tissue into the cup. Now, the negative pressure that's created within the cup is different depending on on the cup you use, right? So if you use glass, right, you have to use a fire. You know, that's the classic fire cup, mm-hmm. right? You have to light a fire within the cup before you put it on the skin because that, that heat draws the, the air in, right? So it draws, it creates that suction. And then if it's like a plastic cup, more than likely it has like a suction tube attached to it that you can draw up skin, right? Mm-hmm. And then the silicone, right? If you press the silicone, put it on the skin and then let go, right? That draws the skin up, right? Because of creating that low pressure. So all this like suction and stuff creates that negative pressure. And at the center of cupping, negative pressure is where it's at. That's how we're getting our effects right there. So the method and the material doesn't really play as much of a role would you say from what i've seen there may be some eastern medicine like teachings behind maybe using different materials or using the fire but at least within the western literature there's not that much of a a difference okay so what is their main goal then so there's a couple proposed effects within 
the Western literature as far as what does cupping do and what does myofascial decompression do, right? The kind of first big one out there is the increase in blood flow. So the cup creates this negative pressure, right? Well, that creates tensile forces of the tissues within the cup itself, right? So all the fascia, all the blood vessels that are sucked up into the cup, that's getting a lot of stretch on it, right? Because it's getting pulled by the cup and getting pulled by the body. Right. But on the edges, and I never really thought about this, this is kind of true, there's a compressive force. Right, mm. The edges of the cup, the skin's being forced into that edge, right? Mm-hmm. so that creates compression. So what's happening is this creates a momentary like occlusion around the cup. Right? So it's oh, occluding okay. blood from going into the suction part of the cup. Mm-hmm. If you have a long duration or a higher intensity, this could actually lead to the rupture of some capillaries, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens is this creates an ischemic environment because no blood's getting in, blood's leaking out, right? So it creates like a momentary ischemic environment. Mm -hmm. But once you release the cup, you see a rapid increase in blood flow, Mm -hmm. right? And this is kind of going off of the principle of uh, reactive hyperemia, right? There's been a, a decrease in blood flow. There's some ischemia. Your body doesn't like it. So once it uh, has the chance to put blood flow there, it's going to rush it there. Hey, let's get it there. All right. So that's how you kind of see an increase in blood flow to the area. It's kind of similar to what we talked about, I believe, in the tissue flossing uh, CU episode, Mm -hmm. right, on how floss bands can kind of create that um, increase in blood flow. It's kind of that same idea. Um, That ischemia also sends signals saying like, hey, we're having some damage here. We need more blood. So essentially, all those kind of signaling starts that process of, hey, we need to get more blood to the area that was within the cup. I kind of explain it to my athletes, like when they ask, if you have a foam roller, you know, you you kind of mash those tissues together and there's a lot of compressive forces, whereas the cup's opposite where you, those tissues, instead of being compressed, they're being pulled apart. So it allows for blood flow throughout those channels. Yeah, exactly. There may also be another reason for the increase or an added reason for this increase in blood flow as well is because of that increased tensile force, right? It puts a lot of stress on the blood vessels themselves, especially if, okay, you take that cup off. Now you're having all this blood rush into that area. Those vessel walls start to get stressed a lot. And that Mm -hmm. leads to the release of nitric oxide which is a very strong vasodilator, right? The release of that tells your blood vessels, hey, we need to open up more because we're having a lot of pressure on us right now. I want to relieve some of that pressure. Let's make a bigger tube, mm-hmm. right? And that idea too was discussed in our, like kind of the uh, the nor- the compression boot um, CU episode. So with this increase in blood flow, right? It's good because you're getting all the good stuff to the tissue, but you can also get the reverse and we're taking all the bad stuff away from the tissue too. So that's kind of another proposed benefit of increasing blood flow, right? Or especially after exercise, right? You can take away all the bad stuff, all the waste from exercise and clear that out. Mm-hmm. Via lymphatic system? Yep, via lymphatic system. Um, the next proposed effect for cupping is the ability to decrease pain. Which is sometimes, it's kind of hard to see because sometimes the cups are hair uncomfortable. <laughs> especially on your calf. Yes, especially on your calf. For sure. It will, you know, it's not a lot of... And IT band. That's a very tight tissue. Oh, that's a very tight tissue. Right. Not right. a lot of suctions happening there. Um, but this tensile stress created by the cup 
applies that, you know, applies that stress to the mechanoreceptors within your skin and within Mm -hmm. your fascia. Mm -hmm. So as we've talked about multiple times in, you know, a few of our modality episodes, this decrease, this stimulation of the mechanoreceptors leads to the inhibition of pain via the pain gate theory, right? Those mechanoreceptors are getting there faster than the pain signal, creating a stimulus to kind of, hey, let's let's turn down that pain signal a little mm-hmm. bit. All right? It's basically the same idea of how TENS kind of decreases pain, right? Kind of the same idea or how like massage can decrease pain. So this kind of sounds like it is a added bonus, not really like a we're going to do this to relieve pain. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It, it, I think most people use it for that, like, increased blood flow um, and, like, some other reasons. But, yeah, definitely, like, for some pathologies, this is pretty good, you know, to help decrease pain. It's another mm-hmm. way of doing it instead of just massage and mashing the tissue. And it is kind of nice with this modality. You can kind of set someone up and then go do something. Instead of, like, massage, right. you're kind of committed to the treatment, too. Right. Same thing with like ultrasound, you're kind of stuck. Yeah, you're kind of stuck there. Um, kind of what uh, Sandra was alluding to already is another thing that you'll commonly see cupping used for is okay. Let's get let's get an increase in range of motion, All right? And some of this could be because of that increased blood flow that we talked about. Uh, but another part could be the neurological component too. So the same idea of activating those mechanoreceptors explains an increase in range of motion. So because the, the cup is decreasing pain or decreasing the sensation of discomfort, it decreases the, sens- the sensation of discomfort with stretching. Mm-hmm. All right, so stretching is already a little uncomfortable, right? But after you kind of do one set, you notice, hey, I can go a little bit more on the second set. That's the same idea, right? It's kind of like a pin and stretch. Exactly. And that too, right? Because the, remember, the rim of the cup is adding a compressive force. If you add movement with that, you're kind of you know stretching some of that um, that fascial tissue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, that decreased sensation of discomfort with stretching can allow you to gain more range of motion because you're not feeling discomfort at that range. You're feeling that discomfort at a higher range. Mm-hmm. So hence, increased range of motion. Um, and like I said, there's also the um, aspect of increasing blood flow. Right, we've when we've talked about fascia before, right? We talk about that it's it's like a gel, right? When it's very viscous, it doesn't move, doesn't move uh, very much. Fascia is, yeah, like um, the ground substance within fascia. It's very gel like. Um, it doesn't like to move very much when it's very viscous. Think of it mm-hmm. as molasses. <laughs> molasses doesn't move very well. <laughs> But when you increase some blood flow to the area, right, create that friction or the blood flow increased from the signals of cupping, it turns into water, water-like, <laughs> and it moves very fast. Very, very, very fast and smooth, smooth. Don't worry. Your your settings on your podcast did not instantly jump up fast. That was me. <laughs> I did not expect any of this. <laughs> you didn't see it. You didn't see it coming. And I actually wrote down in the notes, by the way, it be flowing. That's for the hip kids out there. Yeah. My basketball guys would appreciate that. Okay. Okay. Um, so essentially, that's how you see that increase uh, in range of motion, right? You're decreasing the uh, pain sensation with stretching and you're increasing blood flow to the tissues, 
which helps kind of loosen them, you know, make make them less viscous, able to glide a little bit better. Um, you can I, I didn't look a ton into this one, um, but I, I noticed some articles mentioned it. Uh, you can actually see some increase in parasympathetic input. Mm-hmm. So the tension on the smooth muscle, like within certain vessels that are around the muscles, um, can actually help decrease muscle tone. Hmm. So instead of being in that like fight or flight, right, like you're very tense, the idea is, hey, this can help kind of relax that signal being given to the muscle that they have to be like, like, like really contracted and like we're really tense right now to actually kind of relax. Where would you find that? That research? No, like where would you put that on the body? You can still do it on the muscles. Okay, got it. It yeah, just yeah. has a mm-hmm. because because our our vessels, you know, do have smooth muscles, smooth muscles oh, right, as right, well. Right. So if you're right. putting tension on that, it's sending a stimulus. So that's kind mm-hmm. of the idea behind it. Um, like I said, I didn't look a ton of research into that par- portion of it, but I did see it commonly referenced. So okay. something to look into um, and something to keep in mind when you're using uh, cupping as well. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, we definitely don't want to discount the Eastern medicine view as well. Um, There are a lot of um, cultural practices behind cupping and how it can affect, you know, certain energies and um, certain like um, Eastern medicine views of of healthcare. Um, I didn't look a ton into that, um, but that's also another view that, hey, that could provide some benefit as well. Mm hmm. So how do we, so like we talked a lot about research, but like, let's start to talk about like more clinical practice stuff. Like how does that? So what does this even mean? Yeah. What does this mean? (laughs) Can (laughs) all that stuff is really cool, but what does it, what does it mean? Does it work? (laughs) That's all I want to know. Can, can I use this for something? Right. Um, well within the healthy participants, right, which a lot of research tends to be in healthier populations, it's a little iffy when you're talking about how effective cupping is. Um, in particular, the range of motion uh, studies in the literature are very inconsistent when using healthy participants, right? So when you hear that, you're kind of like, oh, well, why am I using it? <laughs> I mean, come on. But let's we can dive a little bit deeper into what the literature says. The studies that showed really a no difference between cupping and like a control or like cupping and like some other modality were the ones that really only used static cupping which essentially mm-hmm. is the patient didn't move and the cup didn't move. They just put the cup on. Or like, Let it do its magic. There you go. There you go. All right. The studies that actually utilize some kind of motion, whether it was the cup moving or the patient moving, mm-hmm. they actually found an increase in range of motion. I mean, that makes sense. Exactly. And some of this could be what we were already talking about, right? There's tensile force within the cup. Mm-hmm. So there's already some kind of stretch being applied to the to the tissue but then if you add movement it's transitioning from a compression on the edge of the cup to then the tensile force in the cup right so the tissue underneath or the cup on top is sliding creating that kind of pin and stretch mm-hmm. all right so it kind of creates that stretching sensation well it's the same thing when people like just stress like static stretch yeah and they are like for like 20 seconds yeah. and they're like how come i didn't like get yeah. length in my tissue yeah and you're like well first of all that you need to stretch longer yeah and second of all, you need to go past the point of like what you're, what you're maintaining. Yes. You absolutely. can maintain or you can increase. And there's absolutely. two different parameters for that. Absolutely. So 
now going away from like kind of the healthy participants and now kind of going into, okay, let's look at more pathology, right? At the end of the day, we're treating people with some level of discomfort or dysfunction. Um, so the first thing you can kind of look at is soreness, right? All Oh, goodness. All the athletes <laughs> love. Michael Phelps did it, so I should do it, right? And he did it all over his back. We did cupping one time on my swimmers. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, every week, they kept coming in. Can I get cupping? No. Yeah, it, it yeah, it became that kind of thing. But essentially with kind of like that DOMS, cupping is pretty effective at increasing range of motion deficits, right? So if you have a deficit in range of motion, cupping can help you, you know, hey, let's get back closer to our normal. And it actually reduces the pain associated with DOMS. So again, some of that's going through the neurological input and the increased blood flow. Um, it can help improve muscular activity from fatigue. So as you're, you know, see that, you know, the next day, Instead of having a lower level of muscle activity, your muscles are all fatigued. All right, the cupping actually helps kind of get it to a higher level mm-hmm. so you can have more normal activation. Um, and all those reasons, again, could be linked to that decreasing of the pain aspect, right? Like if you're uncomfortable, you don't want to activate your muscles that much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it can help be associated with the increased blood flow. You're clearing some of those inflammatory mediators out a little bit sooner, right? So decreasing some pain. So with soreness... There is some good stuff with um, with cupping, uh, at least in my practice. I don't I don't like using it a lot with cupping. I've seen some kids feel like they're more sore. Yeah, after that cupping. probably wouldn't be my first choice. But I think it kind of depends on on your practice. I mean, some of it could be: Are they sore from the exercise, and just because they got the cups, they're like, "Oh, well, I'm sore." Right. Right. But yeah, usually for soreness, for me at least, I'm not a huge fan of using the cups. I like to do that more more as a pre. Mm-hmm. I like using it as a warm up or well, the mean, next I could, day. I could see where it's coming from, like yes. stimulating the lymphatic system, stimulating drainage, getting, like you were saying, like removing the bad yes. from the tissues. And- yeah, I agree. I, I Like I said, I could see it. And I don't, and like as a recovery, like I'll do it the next day. Right, right. I wouldn't do it like after practice. I do okay. We'll do it the next day when they feel a little more tight and feel a little more bogged down. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Bogged down. You're full of them today. I am. I'm killing it this morning. <laughs> so now, kind of going into more. Okay, we we're dealing with injuries now. Right. Right. And there seems to be some promise when you look at musculoskeletal injury. Right. There's still one doing research on actual pathology and like actual patients is really tough because one you're not really doing just one treatment on someone and like okay there you go (laughs) right you're doing other things and plus it takes time to find like a similar group of injured people to research right because remember research you need numbers right so sometimes that is hard so uh, there is still a lot that's lacking on true injury but there are some stuff right they took some participants with a hamstring strain and you consistently see an increase in the range of motion and patient-reported outcomes. So the patient is feeling better with this treatment as opposed to um, a, you know, no treatment or like a minimal treatment. I think one group was like heat and stretching. Okay, but like wh- when are they doing that? It's not like you get a hamstring strain and then you cup it. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember when the report time was. I mean, if was. they're already doing heat as the control or yeah. as a different No, the route. heat was the control. 
Okay, so if they're doing heat as a control, it's they're not... probably not like super acute, right? But I can't remember the time frame of when these participants came in off the top of my head. Um, but yes, it is when it's outside of the inflammatory phase. I usually wait for I do I do cups on hamstrings a lot, but I usually wait until they're out of sharp pain and until they're saying that they are just feeling tightness. And yes. then that's kind of like my bridge of, oh, okay, we're feeling tight. It feels like it's going to cramp up on you. Yeah. Let's see if we can like change that. Yeah. I usually do. Yeah. Like my gauge kind of like is like that where because I kind of feel cupping's a little more of an intense manual therapy, mm-hmm. especially the way I like to use it. I don't really like to do the static cups. Like I do like to add more movements. Do you do scanning? Yes. Oh, I love scanning. Um. Did it? Did the research talk about scanning at all? Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, one of the ones that showed an increase in range of motion was mm-hmm. a moving cup one. How long do they scan? Uh, it was only like about five, ten minutes around there. Do you scan for five to ten minutes? Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. I was thinking like thirty seconds. Oh no. Oh, well, my. I'm sure like it was a treatment time, not like. I mean, I'm sure they. My arm would get tired, but usually the treatment durations are about that. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about scanning specifically. Yeah. I don't know how long the cup was actually physically moving. Okay. Okay. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> I was like, oh. Um, but yeah. So I like to do a little bit lighter soft tissue first. Mm-hmm. And then like kind of like what you said, once like the pain starting to come down and they're not having so much movement discomfort or deficits then i'll throw in the cup so, yeah right, right but yeah no it's the patient does feel better with this treatment and some of it could be like that okay if you're tight right if you feel a little bit looser hey i feel like i'm getting better i feel like i'm you know um doing something um also some of the aspect is it is a manual therapy mm-hmm. you know patients tend to feel a little bit better when you're doing something to them as opposed to like if you look at one of the comparisons was heat and stretch well, that's not really like you put a hot pack on, they stretch, right? You're not having so much of that clinician-patient interaction. Well, food always tastes better when someone else makes it for of you. Of course, of course, <laughs> right? So some of that could also be, be you know, at play, but there, it definitely shouldn't be discredited that the cups are obviously providing some benefit for the patient. Mm-hmm. And if your patients like it, you know, if you're seeing good outcomes with it, you know, why not? Right. Um, the next one that you see um is neck pain there's been a lot you know a few studies have examined okay let's look at how cupping affects neck pain mm-hmm. um and multiple studies again showed you see a decrease in pain so de- de- decreased com- discomfort in the neck and improved function and quality of life so again patients are reporting that they are feeling better with this treatment mm-hmm. and the promise is there because you're starting to see studies that are being proposed for knee osteoarthritis. How can cupping help with the discomfort that comes with osteoarthritis? Um, There's some studies that are being looked at for low back pain, right? They haven't been published yet, but they're like, hey, we're, we're working on it. Mm-hmm. We're trying, mm-hmm. right? So you can see that, okay, something's there. This right. might be beneficial to treating these actual uh, musculoskeletal conditions. Well, I feel like a lot of this is transferable, uh, like throughout the body. Oh, 100%. Especially when you're talking about muscular pain. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's truly what this is, you know, interacting with. It's interacting with um, the fascia, the musculoskeletal system. Like it, it, you know, that's where it's going towards. So, yeah, it would make sense that it would have that effect. 
right, multiple I mean, pathologies. If you just think of like the fascial slings, if you think about like low back pain, there's yes. probably so many areas that you can target that would translate to low back. Oh, 100%. 100%. Right, and that's not even going into the idea of again some of the Eastern medicine stuff and looking at acupoints and how to and the parasympathetic effects. How can that affect just wellness? Right. You know, so definitely a lot of avenues you can look at, and if you dive a little bit deeper, you probably can find some pretty cool things. Did you see anything about cupping and swelling? You know, what, surprisingly, no. No, not off the top of my head, because I've heard that too. Like you create some decompression around the lymph vessels, mm-hmm. and then you should be able to push out more swelling. Mm-hmm. But I haven't really seen that. That's and what... some of it, I'm a little unsure because, right, if you create compression, right, within the cup, it the fluid's closed off, so it can't go in until you release the cup. Right, but so I could see that. Like the one, after, yeah. Once you release it, then everything's like. <sighs> Because I'll do like... Did you like that sound? Um, it was great. Thank you. 10 out of 10. Oh, I'll do like a symmetrical biphasic um, motor movement uh-huh. on like, let's say ankle sprain. I'll do yeah. it on, along um, the peroneals or like yeah. that nerve so that they uh, we get that twitch, the eversion nice. twitch. And then, I mean, it's the same thing as if you would do, I don't know if you guys have seen like the fireflies. Oh, Yeah. Um, That's becoming big. It is. We use them a lot. Nice. But um, like that kind of twitch. And then if you put a cup right at the lymph node right behind like mm-hmm. the uh, popliteus area, yeah. like uh, that little fossa space. Um, and then usually if I take it off, like I'll or I could even do like milk massage with a cup yeah. down at the lymph node and and then take it off. Yeah. No, that, for sure. I've definitely heard that. And I've seen some people, you know, using it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely a big fan when it comes to swelling. If you got the boots, if you got the Normatex or, oh, yeah. you know, recover, I like to throw them on that. Oh, right. For a right. little bit. You know, I mean, that's like, one, it is effective. And then two, it's, dude, it's like a 20, 15 minute massage. I can go do something else. That's mm-hmm. my milking right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just did it yesterday. Big ankle sprain. Oof. That thing is huge. I'm pretty sure if I put a needle in it, swelling would just <laughs> come right out. I think it's huge. I mean, it is. I believe it's his first first time. Mm. So, poor guy. I almost sprained my ankle in the clinic yesterday. Excuse me? I just like was walking or I was standing and I had my feet crossed and I went to walk and then I just like, boom, inverted my ankle. Oh, my goodness. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Workers comp. Okay. So, let's talk about parameters. <laughs> The dangers of work. Yes, the <laughs> parameters, right? How do we use this? I was just trying to be a case study. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So how do we use cupping? And you know what? As with most new things, there's very little guidance on, okay, what are the true proper parameters for cupping, right? Eastern medicine has a certain view. Um, and then obviously what you kind of see in Western medicine, they're going to be a little bit different. And again, some of it kind of goes to the idea of why they're trying to use the cup. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but you know, that's not to say that there's nothing out there. Um, there are definitely some courses or certifications that, you know, they lay out their recommendations and their kind of system. Um, there, I mean, one that comes off top of my head, I think, I think rock tape has one. They have their silicone cups, their silicone cups and the rock pods, I think they call them. Right. And then like, there's other courses out there that you can do to take, um, like cupping courses. Right. Um, 
But some of the stuff that I found in the literature itself is they kind of divide it into either the um, pressure intensity mm-hmm. or kind of the duration. Right? That's kind of how they're judging the parameters on this. Um, and what, what I really loved about the intensity part, the, the pressure, is uh, it's really like a Goldilocks situation, right? Too much? Well, that's not good. You create too much pain. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be useful, right? Defeats right. what you're trying to do anyways. Yeah, because if the person is like like a T-band and yeah. you make it too... You crank that bad boy yeah, up. Yeah, and then they're like tense on the table, just like not being able to relax, yeah. it's probably not going to do too much. And then on the reverse, right? If you don't have enough pressure, well, there's not enough stress to stimulate all the things we want it to do. So now it's just, it didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. All right, so what you're looking for is just right. <laughs> just right is just right. Goldilocks. Goldilocks, right? And it's really hard to judge this because the literature, like, the, right, they're going to give you an objective number, mm-hmm. right? And they say about negative 225 millimeters of mercury to negative 300 millimeters of mercury, right? And I know all of us have machines that can measure that for us when we're oh, doing yeah. our cupping, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So how I kind of look at it is a medium amount of pressure is perfect, right? Like, I only do a couple pumps, nothing too crazy. You just get some of the skin to come up. I think if you're looking at the cup, Maybe like, you know, in uh, inch and a half, two inches up into the cup. It also depends on how elastic their skin exactly. is. Exactly, and the tissue as well. So you do want to go off of the patient, right? Like a lot of times when I'm explaining the cup, the cupping is like, most of the time it kind of feels weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it might feel a hair uncomfortable, but it shouldn't be like, ow, this, like, this hurts. Right. And that's kind of like my gauge. So I think a medium amount of pressure is perfect, right? If it's just like two pumps, I think that's perfect for it. I think, well, there's not too many times that you're only going to use one cup. Exactly. You're doing more. So I also like to gauge it with the other cups in the area if they have enough tissue to also um, pull. Yeah. Because if you put too much in one cup, then the rest of the cups won't stick. Exactly. And also, too, if you're going to do movement. Right. right. If you have a lot in, a lot of tension into the cup, right, it's going to be harder to move. It's going to be a lot more painful. Mm-hmm. And again, we're, that's not what we're trying to do. Right. So, um, like I said, it's really hard to kind of judge what negative 225 to negative 300 is, but just kind of gauge a feel, right? See how much cup or how much tissue is being sucked into the cup. See how the patient feels, right? How can you, if you're trying to move it, does it move pretty easily, right? Like, obviously, if it's bumpy and the tissue is very, pathological right that's going to create a difference but like is it gliding smoothly because Mm -hmm. you're or like it's not being restricted because there's so much pressure in it right that's what you're trying to kind of gauge Mm -hmm. um but with the idea of the higher end of the spectrum so getting closer to that like negative 300 Mm -hmm. that higher pressure has a better chance of increasing blood flow okay right so if you're if your goal in the treatment is hey i'm focused on the blood flow portion a higher pressure is going to be better for that. Not saying like that negative 225 won't. It's just you get a better blood flow increase at the higher end. Right. Usually what I do is I'll do, oh, let's say I'm doing like the calf. I'll pick a spot. I put lotion on the entire thing, Mm -hmm. pick a spot, and then I do like a half pump, just like a little bit, and then I'll scan. So go back and forth yeah. along the length of the tissue and then kind of feel where the tissue gets kind of taut. Yeah. Where And you can either go like superior, inferior, medial, lateral. And then I'll do a, um, like wherever the cup gets stuck. Yeah. And then I will um, do a full pump. Okay. 
And then I kind of go along the length of, of the tissue, like, okay, well, there's that one there. And then um, I, I go along the muscle line yeah. or along the line of fascia, depending on what I'm trying to target. Yeah. And then usually if one falls off, I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Usually, yeah. With the, with the one that falls off, I'm like, hey, don't worry about it. Because they all get worried. Yeah, They're yeah. always like, it's going to fall. Or, oh, it fell. It's like, no, it's okay. Yeah. It they're, did its they, job. They're plastic. Okay. Yeah. They're pretty durable. Now, if you, if you drop the glass one. <laughs> I mean, those are, it is thick glass. So, uh-huh. I mean, it does take a lot to break them. But right. still. Right. Still. So, the next thing we kind of go into is looking at, like, the duration now. Okay. How long mm-hmm. are we doing this kind of treatment? And, you know, this, again, this is going to differ depending on what you look at, whether you're taking the Western view or the Eastern view. Because, like, Eastern, I think I've read somewhere that it's, like, almost like an hour. Oh, wow. Treatment time. Yeah. Right. Whereas we're not necessarily, you're, you're not treat, cupping someone for an hour, at least in the athletic training clinic. Right. Or, so, I've never even heard of that. So, literature kind of, the literature kind of looks like, looks at five to about 10 minutes. Okay. Right. And if you have a shorter duration, you actually see a larger peak increase in blood flow. Mm-hmm. Right. So that shorter duration, the blood flow increases like to a larger peak, whereas at the the longer duration, it kind of like, eh, that peak's not going as high because you're, you're in there for so long. Mm-hmm. But the longer duration shows a longer recovery time. Mm-hmm. So that increase in blood flow lasts a lot longer in a longer duration compared to the shorter duration. Okay. That makes sense. So... It kind of depends on what your goal is. What are you going to have your patient do next? And like, what does the patient like? What are they able to tolerate? So just keep that in mind. Shorter duration, you do hit a higher peak increase in blood flow. But that longer duration, the blood flow is lasting, lasting longer. Mm-hmm. I usually do five minutes and then I'll do uh, movement. Like a couple yeah. sets of things. My, I really don't use static at all. A lot of times if if I'm doing the cups, I'm doing movement. So I'll put them on and I'm like, okay, let's get for how long, whatever the movement is. I'd say it's probably closer to five minutes because I'll do five minutes and then five minutes of movement. No, just five minutes. Oh, like I put the cup on and I like, okay, I do your movement. Oh, you don't do static at all. Very rarely. Oh, interesting. A lot of times for the neck, I will. Okay. Okay. Because a lot of times I'm treating the trigger points Uh in the neck. Uh huh um but yeah like for a lot of the other stuff it, it's usually movement i did not even think about that yeah i just always paired them yeah no i just hmm. I, I get it on okay let's do our like two sets of 10 mm-hmm. of like whatever movement and then i mean do they sit sometimes yeah like if i'm busy and i have them moving <laughs> and then they're done with their sets like okay go ahead and just relax real quick i finish up what i'm doing then i go over take cups or I have someone else take the cups off right right but yeah, but yeah, oh, I really do the movement mostly. I like it for that. I always start with the almost like a a prep phase, like a, a warm up. Yeah, no, no, like a just prepping the. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like putting cups on and then asking someone to move. They'll like resist you. Yeah, yeah I got, <laughs> I got my peeps trained. They're ready. <laughs> they know. Oh, movement time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, let's get moving. So then, so then yours really is like a floss band. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of just pair the two. Hey, we have a big saying lately. And when I say lately, like the past couple of days within our athletic training room, motion is lotion. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's pretty good. Yeah. Original. It, it, yep. That's right. So how many references did you use for this, Randy? Uh, I think we got up to about 
17, I say. Okay. I don't think it was 20. I think it was slightly less. Okay. But. Those are on our website. And then we do have an action item. We can't forget that. Yeah, we always tend to. Um, I didn't forget no, this time. No, you didn't. What's our action item, Randy? I would say to sum this up, when it comes to cupping, you want mm-hmm. it just right. Goldilocks. Right? We're not trying to crush them and like see how much we can suction, even though some athletes really like to do it. Like, more. Can you go? You, you can go tighter. I'm like, no, well, hold on, buddy. <laughs> right? And then obviously too little is just not enough. Right? So right, right, identify right. what your goal is and really try and gear tailor that treatment towards that goal. Okay. That's a good action item. Yep. So like I said in the beginning, this is a CEU episode thanks to Mass General Brigham, formerly known as Precision AT. So Mass General Brigham has, well, it will actually still show up as Precision AT on the website and yes. on the provider when you enter it in your at on the BOC. Yeah. So when you're entering your uh, BOC, if like Precision doesn't pop, the number's the same. The approved provider number is the same. So you're good, right? So when you put it on the BOC, it may come up as Mass General. Um, or Precision. Or Precision. Like if you have an old one, um, don't worry. The number's the same. It still works. So go ahead and scroll down to the show notes. If you're watching on YouTube, just scroll down to the description. And we have the link for the episode um, quiz. Yep. And the course eval. Course eval. So just complete those things. It will automatically create a certificate for you. And then you can upload those. So if you are listening to this as it is coming out, currently it is free. Um, if you are listening to it while it is one of our latest episodes, it will be a dollar. And then any older episode, which we are going to start highlighting those, because um, we've got a lot now. We, we do. have a lot of CUs We now. do. And it's that reporting And it's year. a reporting year. So make sure you take advantage of all of our CUs. We also have some multi-packs and some bundles. So And share with a friend. Let them, let them know, hey, this is an avenue for some CUs. Mm-hmm. Especially the ones that are kind of procrastinating, getting a little nervous that, oh, I got 50 CEUs I got to do. Right. So, um, and again, those quizzes are made to be pretty simple. And if you don't pass the first time, you can always take it again. Yep. Um, lastly, this episode is an education episode. We do on AT Corner every other episode as education or stories. As this one was an education episode, next week we are going back to our stories. You can go to our Instagram at AT Corner Podcast to find out what we are doing next week and yep. for future episodes. Yep. You can also join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash AT Corner Podcast, where we also list what's happening in the uh, in the future episodes. And we are still working with MedBridge, and you can use code AT Corner for $150 off if you'd like more CU opportunities. Yep. Now is actually the perfect time to buy because it's a one-year subscription. So yep. it will not only count for this subscription or this uh, reporting year, but next mm, yep, reporting year. The start year. of the uh, the next cycle. Yes. All right. I think that's all I have. That's it. Thank mm-hmm. you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye. <laughs>